Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villarosa, OVS. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic non-stick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. You're a pain in my neck and my lower back. The comeback never stops, honey, but get out my way and give me my money. <laughs> you guys, I just got destroyed. I just got taglines. It's not fair. It's I'm spiraling you. At this point, you guys, at a certain point, you're just going to get, hi, how are you? <laughs> Mazel tov and lahayam. And that's just going to be my tagline for Eps 300 through 391. But anyway, in the meantime, you guys, it's Andy Scrolls 285. One of my favorite, favorite guests back on the People's People's Couch. I think her third visit. Yes. Possibly three times a charm. And P.S. Speaking of charming, I just recorded with her. We did a full and official, a, a, what they call a traditional pod swap. I believe that's what that's yeah. what the kids call it. That's what the kids call it. The adults call it. All the people <laughs> out there, they call it a pod swap. And so you have to listen to my conversation with Erica Cobb on Come Back with Erica Cobb, a podcast and social media show. You also know this person whose name, that's right, is Erica Cobb, as co-host of Daily Blast Live. Welcome back to Andy's Girls, your home, your home uh. away from your home and also your other home. Erica Cobb, how <laughs> are we today? I am wonderful. Thank you for having me back. Our pod swap is everything and so is your clothes. 
I mean, listen, you're getting a little preview. I have to say, because you have like a video element to yours. I think I technically, maybe this is my little reminder or like not even reminder, but like maybe I'll use some video from this. I'm literally in sweats. I I put on makeup for you. You, you I did. Put on, I put on a lipstick from Tom Ford. I'm returning to oh, Sephora. Okay. I'm, giving you, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you everything. And that is all you need in life. But I do have a hoodie on. I had a little dress on that we're going to pretend zipped in the back. And I had it on for your show. I yes, got the top hook. And that's all that matters. Um, so you guys need to watch and go to uh, Erica's um, IG to see the video of that beautiful yes. Christian Seriana moment. Um, but listen, we just talked, we had Mm -hmm. a little conversation. We talked a lot. Yes, we did. We always do. (laughs) We always do. And I'm so excited about this episode because we're going to do something a little different. This episode, I'm thinking to myself, have I ever done this before? I did like a mini app after last season's Potomac premiere. I want to get your thoughts. I want to do a deep dive on the Jersey premiere. However, I also want to talk about some other stuff. Okay. Because we just did this conversation, just had this conversation, words are fun, talking about comebacks, possibilities for comebacks, accountability, and a lot of quasi quote unquote trademark pending hot topics Mm -hmm. on your show as pertaining all things having to do with essentially problematic housewives. Right. Let's say that. Problematic moments uh, as concerning the network and and determinations from leadership down, how that affects the Bravo community and so much more. And we talked a little bit about Ebony K. Williams, Mm -hmm. who was on your show in the fall. A great episode I highly encourage people listen to. And we talked a little bit about the future of New York. And since we're keeping things East Coast style with today's app, NJ and NY, I want to get your perspective on New York. You know, you're in an interesting position because you have a personal relationship with Ebony. You've also had a professional one having her on the pod. And you yourself are an avowed Bravo-holic. Yes. When you're watching or as you watch last season of New York, which part of yourself do you think led your own internal dialogue? Was it the uh, person who is speaking to these moments on television every day, the podcaster, the Bravo-holic, the person who has a personal relationship? What did you feel coming out the strongest? You know, I think it was, um, it depended on what was going on, um, Mm. different parts of me came out because, you know, Ebony, um, I, I consider her a friend, but like Mm -hmm. proximity wise, like we're not like besties or anything like that. I don't want to like overstate the relationship, although I would love to be, uh, I really love you girl. Um, you know, I, Ebony K Williams kind of came into my life, um, as someone who she was black girl magic for me. I mean, still Mm -hmm. is, um, an aspirational, public figure. And so, um, you know, in this industry and media, there is like literally a half a degree of separation. And eventually we ended up in a a same circle. So I got a chance to meet her um, and, and speak with her a little bit. And everything that I had hoped she would be aligned with that. So I have a lot of, you know, high expectations and a lot of respect for Ebony. 
Um, that being said, I found myself as I was watching Real Housewives of New York last season, almost going into a protection mode. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just because I could relate as a black woman in media, especially, you know, I'm 40 and I have had a multitude of firsts, you know, more so than a lot of my white counterparts and peers, because I, you know, was the first black woman on the radio station that I did mornings on um, in Chicago. You know, I was the first black woman to headline the station when I went to Denver, when I went, you know, I'm like always the first black woman, you know. Um, So for her to be the first black housewife, I started to put myself in that position of first. And there was so much unfairness um, that it really, I found it triggering because here we are, you know, post um, the biggest social justice movement or amidst, I should say, um, but in terms of people taking the streets and Ebony is still tasked with carrying this entire season on her back and being the go-to for everyone even though we had already established that maybe people should be doing the work in terms of allyship on their own. I think Sonia stepped up to that, um, Mm -hmm. to the occasion. And I think she did it in a very sincere capacity and that created a bond and a new respect I had for Sonia amongst some other things in terms of transparency for her. But for Ebony, you know, the, from beginning to end that never was in terms of the reunion, I just felt this, um, degree of protection because I understand how incredibly unfair it is and how that feels to be a black woman put in that position in the moment. And it's so interesting to hear your perspective on it because it also ties in with a lot of critique that was levied Ebony's way. There was essentially no way for her to win coming out of this reunion, especially because she wasn't given the opportunity as seemingly every other housewife was to give her perspective on the uh, since-canceled reunion. But, you know, there was a critique against Ebony that was sort of comparable to the idea of, like, you would be a better fit on The View. Like, there's a way that you express yourself that feels like almost an orator. And you listen to your interview with her and there is a sense that so much of what people criticized um, of her showing her life in a specific way, it's not enough that this couldn't just be who Ebony is. There has to be a reason mm. for it, uh, a criticism of it. That sounded like the reason behind some of the ways that she experienced the show and filmed the show was a direct result of expectations from production. You know, like the idea that there was almost like a mandate for her to show things in a certain way, it feels somewhat uneven or doubly insensitive uh, or even inaccurate to blame her for the way her personality or position was presented on the show, understanding potentially that some of that came as a direct result of production guidance, like the ways right. that she hosted her dinners, for example. It it seemed like there's like a missing piece here that I hadn't previously understood. See, 
I, in that capacity, I would definitely answer as a viewer and as another black woman in media, because mm-hmm. I think it's total BS that certain people aren't allowed to be the totality of who they are. A lot of that as a viewer, I attribute it to the fact that the other women on the cast weren't able to maneuver that conversation. They weren't able to be in the moment and accept it. There wasn't a um, yes and also, there was more of a okay and also, less of a Mm -hmm. yes, I understand I may not understand this or, you know, continuing to do the same things over and over that ultimately were microaggressions and they weren't willing to see it any other way. So I think it also has to do with, you know, I behave quite differently around a certain group of people than I do with another group of people. Also, the idea that you want there to be accuracy. You know, there has to be a certain level of intellect that goes into this particular situation because you are on national television. You are sort of modeling in real time what it should have been more like the conversations, the real conversations where people were committed to understanding that were happening on social media, not the ones where people were just trying to state their point or continue with their actions in hopes that maybe one day they would be right as well. I think that when it comes to social justice issues and race relations, and keep in mind too, this is New York City. Okay. Mm -hmm. If this conversation cannot be handled in New York, whether there was a black housewife or not, uh, that's problematic in itself. Mm -hmm. So I think you saw people who rose to the occasion and, and showed their ability to be flexible in their thinking and committed to the understanding like Sonia. And then you saw, you know, the Ramona of it all. Yeah, I mean, look at the way that Ebony's dinner, the Harlem Nights dinner was received versus literally any single business related event that Bethany held. And I wonder if the reaction from the audience and I mean, the audience sometimes has a little bit of an eye roll at Bethany, but it's nothing like the, the lens is completely different. And the actual spoken word is completely different when it comes to the ways that Ebony's behavior was criticized and the microaggressive use of the word like teaching or quote unquote preaching versus Bethany, who people have said it's a lot. The red and white is a lot. The, you know, shaking hand as you're drinking a margarita feels like a specific choice that was made after you said it was about Tom, you know, like, but it's not, it is just truly not the same thing. There are other examples of housewives who God forbid have read books or said things or expressed themselves and it's just not the same response and it's kind of like it seems like it's from the cast out you know how it's like um as a performer like (laughs) a lot of people and a lot of you know when you're when you're playing a part of preparing for the part sometimes it's outside in or inside out like you start with the core of who this character is and then the costumes the hair the makeup the wardrobing, everything else helps support that narrative. And with other people, it starts with the exterior and it works on the inside. Mm -hmm. It feels like regardless of what choice Ebony would have made of how to express herself um, and how to share her life and her interests with people, she would have been criticized. Of course. And it's just a different kind of critique. And from the inside out perspective the audience sometimes, even without maybe realizing it, 
regardless of who says it, does take note of what the cast is saying. So if the cast is saying, and it's like inside out perspective starts with the cast and then gets to the, you know, production and the edit and then the audience, Mm -hmm. this person is quote unquote teaching me and I don't want to be taught. I think that's what starts the wave. Right. Which is, it's not to say that people can't also feel a certain way, but I think that in the world that we're living in, understanding the circumstances that was last season, there is a layer of this that needs to or or can be discussed. You know, it's right. it's a it's an odd circumstance and an odd environment. I think what I walked away from it really feeling was a level of disappointment, um, even more than a trigger, because it's like, you know, we had this there is a reckoning. Right. And then to willfully not acknowledge that this reckoning was still happening very much in real time, still is happening very much in real time. And I would have expected the dynamics of the way that last season played out in New York. I I would have expected that in 2019. Mm-hmm. But I was hopeful that it wouldn't go like that in amidst all of this and that the person who I believe really got the shortest end of the stick would be the black woman who just showed up and did what she was supposed to like what she was supposed to do, you know, and it's the reaction. It's like I did this in the way that I was able to maneuver this conversation based on what I was dealing with. Like, when people are saying she's more suited for the view, I would say she's also suited for the view. There we go. That's such a better boom. That's so much better. Yeah, that's a much better way to um, encapsulate it. You know, there's a moment of your during your conversation with Ebony when you talk about when you ask her who she's closest to since the show and she says she's closest with Sonia. Was that response surprising to you at all? Uh, I wasn't surprised based on the way that uh, Sonia really engaged with Ebony um, on the show. Uh, She, you know, even just little things where uh, the placement of her Telfar bag, you know, Sonia was really showing like, hey, I'm with it. I get this. You know, supporting black business, you know, things like there were little things that people may not have even picked up on. Um, that gave me the first indication that Sonia was Team Ebony. So I wasn't surprised about that. I also was, before that indication was even made, I tweeted um, like the first episode, I think, when she had, it's been so long ago, but um, Mm. when she was doing some type of healing or something and she started really talking about some of the things that were um, hindering her and causing her to react the way that she was. Like, I I remember tweeting, like, I strangely just all of a sudden think I understand Sonia better now. Oh, wow. Like, there was just something there that resonated with me. And I'm like, oh, girl, I get you. Like, I understand. And then as the dynamics played out with Ebony, I was like... Okay. Okay, Sonia. I'm here for you, girl. Not that I wasn't before, because I think Sonia's just amazing television. 
but oh you know, God, in more of like a, okay, I'm riding with you girl type of way. Do you think that there's a way for the network to kind of begin a new chapter, chart a new path, noting that a lot of people are still really upset that the reunion itself was canceled? Like what's the, what do you think is the way that they can really um, reset uh, New York after what I think was universally, you know, a, a pretty fucked up uh, environment last season. Yeah, I and I'm not just saying this because there's a connection there. Um, Ebony deserves to have time. She deserves um, an opportunity to speak her piece. Um, I don't know if that's something that she wants or doesn't want, you know, um, but I think that she deserves it, if not for her individually, but for their black female demographic, for sure. The same way that um, there needs to be more than what was really considered a I don't even know if you want to call it an apology or whatever over Black Shabbat and Ramona's conversations about Jewish people. You know, like you can't just we aren't going to just forget that. And I think that there is going to be, you know, there's an opportunity, especially for New York. It's the biggest city in America to be the example and the template for how these things will be carried out. I think there's an opportunity. Will that opportunity happen? I don't know. But I'm going to remain, as I said to you before, I'm going <sighs> to remain hopeful. You know what's crazy? I'm like the least hopeful about New York. <laughs> I say this while sitting in my fucking apartment on the Upper East Side in goddamn New York City. Like, I wish I felt differently, but I don't. And I also just want to say, just to make it clear, like, do I personally think there's valid critique uh, in regard to Ebony as a housewife, I personally, as a viewer, do. I also think it is wild AF if Ebony is the first name out of someone's mouth for the reason that last season was trash. Like, there is a real problem here, and yet that is the conversation when you ask, oh, not everybody, not mm -hmm. everybody, but with many people, when you ask them, why last season was fucked or do you think last season was fucked yes or definitely very much so people sometimes begin the conversation with the newest housewife mm. the first full-time black housewife who wasn't even given a fucking reunion which not until this moment did anyone think was optional like right there's there's a real problem here ebony's not the reason that black shabbat was fucked right right i mean i have definitely been in situations, professional situations, because keep in mind, people, this is a job. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> these ladies are going to work. We just get to watch it. Yeah, um, no, that's a valid point. Yeah. You know, I have been in more than one situation where I have had an experience that I did not initiate that was 100% projected or done to me. And if I had the nerve to speak up on it or try to correct it in any way, then I'm the problem. See, that's what happens when you're over there just minding your own business. It's like, okay, I'm just here to do my job. You came over here and you are starting issues that I have to address are problematic. 
or they're overtly or covertly racist. I have a right to say that. And it's not my fault, especially if you're talking about like, if I'm going to, if it's an HR situation or I have to talk to a boss about it, then how does that become me being the problem? Because you initiated something that I had to then not only do the work to rectify, but now I have to suffer through being the villain in this equation when it was literally me just being here was the problem for you. You know, it's like, it's like doubly, triply F, F, F'd up. And I guarantee for anyone who has that thought to call out Ebony as the problem, also look at what's happening around your office. Look at what's happening around your community, because I assure you that there are some inequalities happening there as well. And it's just more comfortable to people to be like, oh, well, you know, she didn't have to call it out. She didn't have to make it a thing. Well, hell yeah, she did. And the reason why I have to do it on a regular basis is for the first reason, a first thing that I said before, I'm 40 in 2022, and I am still the first black woman in all of these different capacities to do these things, which is alarming in itself. But I know I'm not going to be sitting at any of these seats for the rest of my life. And I'll be damned if I don't say something when I know that I have a position of power and authority compared to the next black woman who's coming up behind me. Like, why would I do that? Why would I take up that space? And I don't think that Ebony, I think Ebony shares a similar mentality. Like if it's, it's not for me, I'm about to get completely shat on. It's for the idea that I don't want to see somebody else go through that. Like somebody did that for us. That's why we get to sit here. I mean, it's the real critique of the use of taking up space, which is like, the ultimate gaslight of how dare you be a human person in this world. I have the role that you're going to fit in and I am going to decide who you are regardless of how you do in that role. And it's like perception is reality. I feel like, you know, it's it, it becomes magnified and distorted and just additionally fucked when perception is reality happens on reality TV. Because sometimes right. perception is perception and sometimes reality is reality. But reality TV is always a little bit of a magnifying glass and a little bit of a window into how we see each other sometimes and how we see ourselves through these women. And it is somewhat fascinating to see, you know, the ways that people have elected to view Ebony. And again, I say this as someone who has, you know, critiqued literally every housewife ever at all time. It's just, it is interesting to note the enormity of passion people feel about Ebony, noting Ramona. Like the amount of grace Ramona is given because people find her quirks, shall we say, to be charming or entertaining. And yet not the slightest amount of grace is afforded Ebony's way. It is just tough. It is, but it's about the expectation. 
you know, we have seen and heard and watched Ramona be problematic since day one. So the expectation is there for her to be there. But there isn't an expectation for a black woman to come on and be in her full element. That is called who does she think she is? And that's the issue. Because it's also not only bringing up her name, it's also the way. I think every housewife, anyone on television, anyone who's in the public eye has the ability to be open for critique. But it's what you're choosing to critique that is a reflection on you and your values. And there's something that Ebony talked about um, in your conversation on Come Back with Erica Cobb that I thought was really interesting about bending to expectation and the idea that she was expected to fit into Ramona's world, all of the, I forget, like all the, I kind of blocked them from my memory, but like the different events in the Hamptons maybe or something, like I truly don't remember, but like all of these different events she was expected to sort of like I think the direct phrase but this could be completely wrong was like bending to expectation fitting into Ramona's world Ramona's interests but when she had an event where she was hopeful that these women would be as open as she was it was like a very very just the actual validity of the experience was questioned Mm -hmm. so from like inside out this is now outside in we show up And we feel like this person who's trying to show her interests, her passions, her identity is now at us. Like she's at us. And so we can't be expected to be inside of this because this is supposed to be about us. Like it's it's a lot. It's really nuanced. And it's really fucking unfortunate that these women uh, weren't afforded the opportunity to talk about it, regardless even of how they felt. Just to even have the conversation about it is um, a loss to a lot of people. And the ultimate irony is it could have ended up being the most consequential part mm-hmm. of the season itself. And we'll never know. We'll Absolutely. never know. Absolutely. What I do know is that a miracle happened this week. And that miracle was the reappearance in our world of the sweet, wonderful women of Franklin Lakes and et cetera, <laughs> of the Judices, the Judices, the Judices, <laughs> the Borgas, the Doloreses, the Franks, mm. the Frank Sr., Frank Jr., the interpretive dance that was Bravo's way of telling us what Louis' video was since they absolutely oh, were not legally no. allowed to show it. Uh, Jersey is upon us again, and I want to know, how do you feel? I, you know, I got into Jersey, oh man, what brought me into Jersey? I've been watching faithfully for probably about five seasons. Oh, we're new. Yes. That's how you know you're a Bravaholic, we're five seasons. It's like, oh, you're, you're, you just joined. Yeah, I did. I really did just join. I think it was when, uh, Teresa and Joe, I think, well, I guess it was longer than that. Cause when Teresa and Joe went to, went to camp? yeah, went to camp. Um, so I guess it has been longer than that. 
I Jersey was not one that got me. First of all, I brought I was brought in through Atlanta, and I followed Atlanta religiously. I started watching it from the beginning. The first Housewife. Guess who actually brought me into the Bravo sphere? This should be a, a standard question. Who was that housewife that caught your eye and was like, I have to follow her? 100% have never asked it. We'll be asking it every every episode from now on. Tell me. Portia. Which Portia? Old Portia. Like original Portia. Like like married to Cordell Stewart? Yes. My man is my everything Portia? Yes. Portia I found to be so fascinating. Uh, this is okay. This is real true tea, right? So, not tea about anybody other than me, but you know, my brand has come back with Erica Cobb. And I was in the lowest point in my life. And I was sitting at home, like, I didn't even know I, I was going, I was getting evicted essentially, um, trying to ward that off. And I remember seeing Portia on TV, and I just thought, and this is going to sound shady, but it's not. I thought, if this girl can maneuver her way through this world. <laughs> There's hope for all of us. I can too. I, can, I, I really like it because then when you saw the change, because at first she just brought me in like, what is going on? But then as she started to like grow, I was all in. She was, Portia has been my aspirational figure. I'm telling you, when you really watch the progression of Portia, I have been hooked this entire time. This entire time, through everything, through everything. That's how I started. And then I started watching all the other ones and I started watching them from the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My mouth is like fully open. And yes. how did Portia connect to Franklin to Chateau to Franklin Lakes to these wonderful women with the meatballs and the pasta. Sorry, <laughs> I digress. So you were asking or saying that I'm new to Jersey, and I was like, oh, but this is how I started to get in, and then we I went into this whole thing about how Portia brought me into the Bravo sphere, which I love. Okay, so yeah, that was that was off the road. So yes, uh, here's the thing: I'm super super committed to Jersey right now. But more importantly, I'm super committed to Teresa. Mm. And that happened through Ultimate Girls Trip. Really? I just, I love Teresa now. I just love her. I I really, I want her to, to be well. And that's why this Louis thing is a little alarming to me. I, you know, this woman, when you are shining as bright as Teresa is shining right now, you can attract a lot. And I just question, I don't, I'm not 100% certain, but I do find myself questioning Louis' intentions. And this is going to have to play out because Lisa's, or uh, Lisa, Teresa is fully committed and no one's going to be able to stop this train. So I just want what's best for her. What do you think is best for her? Is there any way that Louis is best for her? I want him to be. I don't, I don't think he is. I really wanted this to be her happily ever after. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. 
that he just, you know, because I, I know I'm from Chicago, so I know a lot of Louis, you know, like, mm. you know, I came of I came of age with a lot of Louis in the club. OK, he's like that club promoter guy, you know, he's kind of a wheeler dealer. He could be, you know, a little quirky, a little out there, but maybe he's harmless. And I know guys like that. I'm hoping that he's one of those. I'm hoping that he's not the one that saw the light and then put his sunglasses on and hitched his self to that train to like ride out an opportunity. I'm hoping. And what we're so used to seeing is guys who come in because they see the fame and they see the attention and the Steve Lodges, the Mm. Brooks, anyone that Vicky has ever stripped post uh don like we there's a specific kind of guy probably the guys that ramona's maybe seeing like there's a you could have a we're not going to go down the jason we don't have enough time for jason hoppy because that's a a very complicated situation but um there is a certain kind of guy who is maybe attracted specifically to the kind of a kind of life that is afforded through a relationship with a woman who is on housewives. Mm-hmm. It's not just the money of which that may be present or not. There's a certain kind of attention that happens when you're on this kind of show that has as dedicated a following and audience as it does. Like right. it's just one of those things. It's like its own little delightful unicorn. And the interesting thing with Louie, as we saw in the premiere, as so many of us have read about is it does appear his toxicity has been a part of him for quite a while. And it's always very expressive, which, you know, there's this thing called, what's the thing called? Love bombing. Thank you. Love bombing of like a certain kind of guy who dates a woman uh, and, you know, in two seconds is in love with her, but wait, we need to take a break. Like the idea of expressing a lot of affection and a lot of adoration and then running away. I don't think that Louis is that type. I think that Louis is emotionally dependent in a way that is probably unrealistic for any partner to provide for him what he requires, which according to his exes, come at the cost of their own mental health, uh, lives, personhoods, whatever. It seems to me overwhelming overwhelming in the sense of like the what is it love, love bombing. bombing like there yeah. is a little bit of that vibe in the like I'm at a hundred percent in three seconds but it's what happens after an hour that's concerning mm. and Lo- and Teresa and Louie go and watch what happens or Louie's in the audience but Tree is there G is at the bar mm-hmm. and Andy sort of as a one-off is like I think this is how it happened is like, cause I watched the clip and was like, Holy shit. Um, said, you know, are you guys getting a prenup? And it was an absolutely not. Gia was like, they wouldn't Gia, a rising attorney, I believe yes. was like, why would they? My dad made my mom get one. And I was so upset about that. And it was so terrible. And you realize that, you know, there is, a risk being made here, not mm. only in showing your love on reality TV, but being so forceful about it being forever. Right. right. And there's the reality TV curse and then the curse of having your boyfriend's ex-girlfriends have enough of a crazy story to be on the cover of the post. And I just don't know 
how this is going to end for her. I just don't think it's going to end well. I just don't. Well, I I love me some sweet Gia. Um, And I know that she, you know, um, her relationship with her mother is a little like my relationship with my mother. Mm -hmm. Um, Totally different moms. But, you know, I have always been my mother's, you know, primary advocate. Um, You know, I stand up for my mom. I've I've done it since I was able to talk. It's just something that's innately in me. And she's also, you know, reciprocated in that way. So it's a very, not codependent, but we definitely have each other's back in like a mm-hmm. totally different way. That being said, I watched that. And for me, I was like, but Gia, that's not your daddy. You know, like that that's not your daddy. And also it may have been offensive to you in that regard because it is your mother and like the idea that your mother wouldn't have had um, the best intentions going into a marriage. Okay, that's a separate conversation. But now is the time to be your mother's biggest advocate, like the way that we know you can be. Because um, I look at, to me, it's not even about what the exes have said with Louis. That hasn't swayed me at all because I think that, mm-hmm. you know, there could be a, a degree of clout chasing there mm-hmm. when you're, you know, saying things that happened years ago. My reaction and whether you love him or hate him is Joe Gorga mm-hmm. because that sibling dynamic, you know, regardless of how it comes out, I firmly believe that Joe Gorga does have his sister's best intentions. Mm -hmm. And when he started stutter stepping, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, Jersey, we have a problem. (laughs) Like, uh uh-oh, like, uh -uh, uh uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Because, like, he, and it wasn't like he's a terrible person, you know, whatever, but it was just that little, like, you know, entryway into I'm not as down with this as I thought I was. Now you said that you don't believe that Louis love bombed Teresa, but I do believe that Louis love bombed Joe Gorga. Oh. Mhm. Yep. He knew how to get in. Gave Joe Gorga the affection Joe never got from Joe. There you Judy go. Judy, Judy J. There never you go. Got. Was upset about since childhood never got. Girl, cuz you remember Joe was riding hard for Louis last season yes and then something just changed Mm-hmm. do you think we're ever gonna know what that was because i totally agree i just think that i i say he love bombed joe gorga because joe was like he was he was all in at the beginning but see the problem with love bombers is that they run out of steam and energy and when they run mm-hmm. out of the steam and energy you start to see it for what it really is so if he wasn't giving Joe Gorga that same love bombing and Joe had a chance to like look at it from afar and be like, something's not right here. You cannot see that. And now he's riding for his sister. But he has to be careful because, you know, Teresa don't play that. She wants to make her own decisions. She wants you to stay out of it. And not only does she want him to stay out of it, but his kids seemingly won't allow Joe to be the brother of Teresa, if that makes any sense. Like, Joe's not allowed to express any anger for what Teresa's ex-husband put him through as the son of her parents, as the brother to her sister, watching her go to federal camp for a summer 
aka calendar year 11 months and change like he wasn't ever allowed to be upset about what that did to his parents what that did to their mental and physical health the time that was taken away because his kids say you must always be nice like their expectation is that their uncle should in a sense from a PR perspective love bomb their dad through his eyes and even his sister eyes as according to what she said in seasons past uh, most recently I mean they're not Joe isn't allowed to be like my experiences this thing happened to me and I was hurt by it Mm -hmm. they won't allow him to have it because of this man who what doesn't is their father but I think the the level of respect that should be afforded to them is how Joe treats them or how looking at how Joe Joe Gorga I mean treats them and looking at how their father treated his brother-in-law like this right. is there's a real divide here when it comes to the pursuit of affection and respect that's incredibly uneven well, you know, it's that, but this goes back to what I was saying, why I'm riding for Teresa now, because I think that we really saw a much more uh, consistently authentic Teresa in mm-hmm. Ultimate Girls Trip than we get on the show because she is supposed to be the villain, so to speak, mm-hmm. on the show. Um, everyone's always kind of coming for her, but I, when she made the comment, like I firmly, first of all, I believe that Melissa did not tell Teresa that she was coming on Jersey. Mm -hmm. And I believe that Teresa's intentions was she never wanted this dynamic of her family, which she values more than anything to play out in the way that it played out. So I think that there's this back and forth that it's like at the core of it, it was that Teresa was right because Teresa's the type of chick this is me just adding all these things based on me falling in love with her for Ultimate Girls Trip. Love this. But love this. Teresa is the type of chick that's like, this is what I do. Let me go on to reality television. I'm going to bring y'all up. Like, I, as I rise, you're going to rise. But don't come playing in this pool because now we aren't a unit. Like, now we can be adversaries and I don't want that for my family. But she would have taken care of them in one way or the other regardless. But the way that it played out, now they're all players in the game and they can be adversaries. And essentially everything that's happened has happened because of the decisions to to get them on the show. Now, I'm not saying they wouldn't have gone to camp uh, had they not been on the show. But I think that it, it really forces the viewers to pick teams. Um, it forces them to read, you know, comments about each other against each other. And I don't think that it does anything productive for that sibling relationship. And in the end, they're all they have now. Oh, man. And do you think that they'll be able to survive whatever we're about to see through the rest of the season, whether it's tension with Gia and Joe or whatever Marge has cooking for tree when it comes to, uh, you know, discussing the Louis stuff so publicly? Uh, I don't, you know, I, I think Teresa, I don't think there's any turning back. Like, mm-hmm. it's like a, this is a machine now and she has made her decision. I don't, unless Louis does something that is just 
just next level is you know what it'll take it'll probably take something that's super reminiscent of her ex-husband to snap her like something that is going to make her think like this dude could potentially land me back in camp well i'm so happy they bought a multi-million dollar home together because that's not going to complicate how this is going to turn out um, listen, I could talk to you about Jersey forever. I know. I'm thank you for coming on. With this is guys a little special Jersey premiere, but you know I had to it was an East Coast exclu- East Coast extravaganza. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell the AGs how to follow you, how to listen to your pod, recent guests, things to love and support? Tell us everything. Uh, well, thank you for having me on, Dame. Um, you can follow me at Erica Cobb, E-R-I-C-A-C-O-B-B, um, on all platforms, except for TikTok. I just joined TikTok, and I am <gasps> I am Erica Cobb on oh. TikTok. Very exciting. Yes. And also, there's a big announcement coming in the next couple of weeks about Come Back with Erica Cobb, so stay tuned for that. Oh, my God. I can't wait to hear what that Yay. is, which you'll maybe tell me about offline. Yeah. I can't wait to hear. Guys, are you following me on in, uh, Instagram, that thing that I'm on where I post photos of shoes and I do housewives polls and I do Instagram lives of recent, which maybe I'll do one tonight. Who's to say? Keeping things um, frisky. Uh, at Dame Galley on IG, the Galley Tines Patreon Zoom Kiki exclusive to Patreon supporters at the OG of the AG and People's People's Couch levels will be friday february 11th at seven o'clock eastern standard the zoom info registration's been sent out so make sure patreon.com slash andyscrolls sign up level up you get exclusive bonus episodes and you get to kiki with us uh, on the 11th at a zoom event i have named uh renamed valentine's day um, after according to my last name as one should uh erica thank you so much for coming out you know i die to talk to you oh, you know thank I you. you i die to talk to you too oh my God. <laughs> more to come guys on new jersey and new york and so much more hope you are all doing okay and you know we'll uh, chat with you soon bye-bye Thank you.